moment to review. And so I want to do this here, do that here this evening with you all. And uh, I've, once again, of course, I, I'm ahead of the game because I prepared this. So I got to review myself earlier today. Um, okay, does anyone know? Uh, now, we were in Genesis, remember? We were in Genesis, and I think we finished that out, right, all the way through chapter 50. Anyone know what we've been studying over the past six weeks or so here? There's a topic that was uh, taken up. Anyone know? Want to take a guess? Anyone? This is just big picture now. If we can't get this, boy, it's going to be a tough quiz. New Testament church, that's it. Yeah, Dave, Dave downloads all the messages back there, so he sees it in writing time and time again and does the bulletin and all. That's right. New Testament pattern church. Now, uh, <clears throat> this started just back in the middle of September. And we started with an overview. Uh, with uh, Anyone remember who did the overview? We had a good overview done, introduction and overview. Jesse Gentile, that's right. You remember that? He gave us a, a whole weekend series on the new, uh, introduction to the New Testament pattern church, as that's what we're attempting to do, right, is to look at the New Testament and see how uh, the Lord laid out the plan, how the church was to meet, and we want to do it like that. Okay, and then, uh, so Jesse started it for us, New Testament pattern church, and then after that, my dad, Aaron Renth, he had uh, um, a, uh, a two-part series, I think, on a Sunday. Anyone remember, anyone remember that? What that? Now this is going back, so don't feel bad if you don't remember. I'm going to help us. Anyone remember what? If there was a, there wasn't necessarily a topic given that time. But does anyone remember what was covered? There was one particular passage of scripture that was covered. That was now six, seven weeks ago or so. And I don't feel bad. I had to jog my own memory. Anyone want to take a guess? Okay. We were in Revelation 2 and 3. Remember, we went through morning and evening. We went through all the, uh, I think all seven of the churches, or at least highlights from them, and considered uh, those churches and that uh, review of those churches and how we could take application ourselves with our church. Okay, and then <clears throat> the week after that, Jamel, Jamel did a session. And anyone remember there was a topic given to that one? And this one, I, I couldn't remember this one either. Anyone remember that one? As we get closer, I think we'll remember a little bit more. What Jamal did, if there's no guesses. Jason, got a guess back there? No, no, but that, that's one of them, though. Okay, anyone else? Want to take a guess? Just shoot up your hand. Okay. John 17, that was it. Good memory. And he, it's, it's tough to remember because this one, it doesn't necessarily fit right into a particular passage, but the true and the false church. And he attempted to give some characteristics of what we would see in a false church and what types of things we would see in the true church. And it, he did use John 17, that is right. And then we had a fellow by the name of Thomas Wheeler who was here for an extended period of time. He had two Sundays and several meetings in between. And there was no real topic there given either, but does anyone remember there was a particular passage that he he went through. Does anyone remember that? First Corinthians. I knew our memories as we get closer he we'd, we'd get on this. First Corinthians and uh, let, me, let me just, uh, well I'll go to that in a minute. I'm going to read some key verses by the way and we'll see if we can remember where some of these are from. That was uh, the church at Corinth and he went through I think about 10 chapters or so to take various applications as to how uh, we, things we could learn. And then our brother Ron had a series. So Ron can't, I mean, I'm actually can't answer this one. 
but he had a, a, a session. Anyone remember that one? Again, this is New Testament Church Truths. Anyone remember what topic we covered that weekend? Anyone want to take a guess? Ron, do you remember? <laughs> it was the roles. That's right. Remember the roles of male and female. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to read a couple verses from there. And uh, uh, diff- different verses, and we'll go back at that. And then after that, Dave Bosworth had a Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and we covered, uh, anyone want to take a guess at that? 1 Corinthians 11, okay, and he had, uh, anyone remember the kind of the topic or a, or a word that would, traditions or uh, ordinances, right? Yeah, the symbols, right. So anyone remember, I think there were three primary ones that he covered, three primary ones we find in the New Testament. Anyone want to take a guess at least one of them? The three ordinances. Baptism, uh-huh, Lord's Supper, and the head covering. That's right. Dave covered the three of those. Baptism, Lord's Supper, head covering. Okay. And then we had that Canadian brother, Tony Martin. And... Uh, now, what did Tony cover? Anyone remember? It was the book of Titus. I believe that's the passage used. Anyone remember the topic given there as he... Uh, say it one more time. Elders, that's right. Bishops, elders, the overseers. And remember the challenges to, to all of us that we there are qualifications given. Uh, in, uh, uh, Andres mentioned there in Titus uh, 1. Yeah, Titus 1. And uh, there are qualifications given that we can all learn from, right? Because they're, uh, they're good, qualific- good characteristics to be found in any Christian. And then <clears throat> Tim Hood was with us, and now we're almost up to where we are here. Tim Hood was with us just a couple weeks ago. Now, he actually did two Sundays because uh, uh, Larry had to, had, was sick and wasn't able to, to speak. But does anyone remember the first one Tim did, uh, which was there at the beginning of November, the beginning of this month? Regarding New Testament church truth, First Peter two, I, that I, I, I would bet if I don't remember from memory that that's what he was using. Anyone remember the topic there? Priesthood. That's right. Very good. The priesthood of all believers, as we all uh, have that responsibility and uh, and privilege as priests. Okay, and then Larry was going to cover. Uh, just last week, Larry was going to cover... Anyone remember the topic? It would end up getting split between Tim and Malcolm. And uh, Anyone remember what that topic was? Fellowship. That's right. Very good. Fellowship in the local church. And our need for fellowship. And uh, some challenge, I think. It was very challenging to me. And uh, good reminders there as well as to fellowship. And then today, of course, we considered the topic of... Uh, Gifts, that's right. Spiritual gifts, very good. Okay, all right, I'm going to just um, read a couple key verses and see if we can remember where these are found, okay? And you raise your hand if you think you know where these are. Okay, and I say to you, this is a verse from, from the Word of God, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Anyone know where that is? Matthew 16. That's right. Very good. Now, Thomas had, when he was here, I think he had a, a, 
I'd have to ask him if this was his key verse, but I, I had one that stuck out in my mind that he referenced several times. And, of course, if you remember what we just said, you'll know the book. But the verse was, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And remember where that was in the book of 1 Corinthians? God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 1, nine. Good, good. Okay, um, oh boy, I, every time I do this, the time goes so quickly. Um, okay, just to, right up to today. Uh, remember there are four key passages that talk about spiritual gifts? Anyone remember the, the four? Or just give me one, one of the key passages. And there's a little sequence to, to remember them. 12, 12, 4, 4. Tim's got it, that's right. Spiritual gifts, if we remember... 12, 12, 4, 4, and uh, it does go in order with the books of the Bible. So anyone know where the first 12 is? And these are chapters. Chapter 12, chapter 12, chapter 4, chapter 4. Romans, 1 Corinthians, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and then Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Very good. So it's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4 and First Peter 4. There are others, yes, there are others. Those are kind of like the four key ones that a lot of times uh, speakers will, will know. But there are other passages that, that speak about spiritual gifts. Yeah, there are others. Okay, well, I'll, I'll stop there then since we're already at 25 after. Um, I didn't get any announcements. Um, Wednesday night we're back on regular meeting, regular time here. And uh, uh, we have visiting, right? Derek Cleave is with, with us on Sunday. I mean, Wednesday is what was mentioned. Friday meetings are back up as normal. And uh, soccer Monday at, at the field, right? You know, wherever we are, right there. Uh, 6.30, soccer ministry. Okay, everyone hear that over here? Okay. No, repeat it. So Crystal Pappas has been released from the hospital. The, the Emersons were able to visit with Steve today. Uh, so she was released. I'm guessing her calcium levels must have come up because that was the concern. But now they're looking for a particular medicine. Oddly enough, in this day and age, they weren't able to, I guess, get it at a pharmacy. So they've gotten some from the hospital and need to get more of whatever that medicine is. Okay. Any? Yeah. Okay. Anything else I missed? Okay, again, just an open meeting here for any of the brothers feel led to share uh, a little word uh, as the Lord's laid on your heart. And then right around the usual seven, we'll, uh, we'll close the meeting. Uh, I just thought I would share something that I had been kind of looking at. Um, and, you know, sometimes the Lord just brings things to your attention. And uh, I had been thinking about those passages in, well, the one in particular in Matthew 11 when the Lord had sent out the 12 disciples. And he told them to go and to preach repentance. And um, uh, of course, we, we recognize that in that, in that particular setting, uh, they were to 
preach repentance to the nation of Israel. And I think it was almost, uh, I'm not going to say a last-ditch effort because God knows what's going to happen. But it was, it was a, a, an illuminating time, a time of, re, of revelation. Uh, but it, it got me to thinking about my position with the Lord and uh, how, uh, you know how the scriptures tell us in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he sent, that he pursues us. And sometimes as believers we can kind of, and I, I confess myself, we can kind of end up sitting on our hands and not really doing anything. But I think as believers, and we're very effective in this assembly, and we're very fortunate to have so many me- meetings that um, we pursue the lost. And uh, sometimes I, I've, it seems like you know we can get stuck in just waiting for an opportunity to share the gospel when really perhaps we should be pursuing lost you know and I, I I commend the saints here and this assembly but I thought I would just challenge us a little bit this morning and we'll look into a passage in Ephesians chapter 2 it's a very familiar passage and it and for uh, the most case it it describes if I can say it less the purpose of of our salvation, the purpose of our salvation. And we're going to work through the first nine verses, and I kind of subtitled them as I looked at this, sort of to just kind of um, generate a word picture in my own mind. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, a very powerful verse, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. We recognize that the scriptures tell us that there are none righteous, and then it goes on, and digs a little deeper and says, no, not even you. There's none righteous, right? We are saved from something. We are not just trophies, but we are saved from something. And in this passage, I don't know if anyone can maybe alliterate, what are we saved from? It's a three-letter word. There's an I in the middle. What are we saved from? Sin. That's right. So, so it, there's a purpose. We are saved from something. And I think it was uh, Randy, I think when he, Randy Amos, when he spoke on, on Hebrews, and he talked about being saved from something, but not only just from something, but unto something, right? So we are saved, first of all, from sin. And verse 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, right? Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So we are saved from sin, but we are saved by love. From sin, by love, and then we are saved, it says in verse 5, 
into life. There's been a transfer, and that takes us all the way back to the garden when Adam and Eve had, had traded eternal life for death, and that's really what they'd done. They had a, an eternal relationship, and they traded it for death. We've been saved from sin, which leads to death, into life. And then verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We have been saved from sin, by love, into life, and with purpose. Right? The purpose that we have is to show his grace, the riches of his grace, and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are saved from sin, by love, into life, with purpose. And verse 8, very familiar verse says, or verse 8 says, For by grace... You have been saved through what? Faith. And not of yourselves, but it is a gift of life. We are saved from sin, by love, into life, with purpose, by faith. And then verse 9 and 10 says, Not by works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So not only are we saved from sin, by love, into life, with purpose, by faith, but we are saved unto something. We are saved from something to something, and that something we are saved to is good works. Right? Go ahead, brother. Right, the the, um, the result of sin ultimately is the wrath of God, right? And he saved us from that. 1 Corinthians 15 would tell us, um, uh, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, in verse 54, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is your, st- your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, right? But ultimately, that sin reaps the wrath of God, right? And that's a fearful thing. If it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a loving God, imagine how fearful it is when you fall into the hands of a God who shows wrath toward you because of your sin. Very good. So I just thought we'd encourage you. Um, We are saved with a purpose, right? Unto good works, right? To glorify God, serve with a purpose. We're saved from something, and we're saved unto something else. Good works. Just a a couple thoughts on uh, spiritual gifts and the the importance of repentance. In um, Luke chapter 16... I think that's where it was. And, and thir- 13, verse 13, Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. And uh, as we learn in that we are, uh, once we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, we become vessels of the Holy Spirit. And um, with the, 
along with the spiritual blessing, you know, that comes with the spirit living inside of us. And uh, if, if we had an unrepentant heart, you know, uh, we, we can't uh, not be repentant and have the spirit with us um, because you can't serve two masters. You know, you're either led by the spirit or you're, you're led, led by the world. And um, just a, it's, a, it's a marvelous thing to be um, transformed by, by something you really can't see or, um, you know, touch with our hands. You know, we, we feel the spirit because it's inside. Um, inside of us living and and we feel it in there and I just you know that's a, a great blessing for the the church and uh, it's very interesting how God uses just uses us as vessels and bestows upon us these gifts of, of um, you know teaching and, and be, be able to, to speak clearly about uh, what the Lord has laid on your heart just uh, it's good I like it I apologize, I don't have too much of a voice left. It's been progressively getting worse over the afternoon here, it seems like. But You know, as I was thinking this morning in the worship meeting, and that was just a, a very precious time, I think of those words that reverberate down through the history of mankind when God said, Adam, where art thou? Why? You know, there, 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 there was just one small little rule, don't eat of that tree. And in rebellion, they ate. So, so why would God even care? And he's been crying that same cry for every, every human being that, that is on this earth. Adam, where art thou? Because we're all in Adam before we're saved. And we're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Adam... Where art thou? And then, <clears throat> as he was saying, we we shall. What what is in First uh, John? Let me go back there real quickly. Because there's a uh, said, beloved. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet what we appear what we shall be. But when we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him. As he is. What an amazing, tremendous verse that is. I just want to go over uh, uh, one more little part from this morning that we did not get to for the sake of time. And that is that in the, the descriptions of the gifts themselves. And one is written, there's about 20 gifts in the word of God. But if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to go there real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There are two types of gifts. There are those which are foundational and those which deal with the actual structure. And I think it's well to keep in mind that there is that distinction. Um, chapter two, chapter three, and verse nine, and it says this: "For we are laborers together with God; ye are God's husbandry; ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon." But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. 
for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And we're talking about the redemption that he provided. The Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation. Now, if you come to me on the weekend and you tell me, um, Aaron, I've, I've got some work to do in my house. I say, oh, okay. You're going to put in kitchen cabinets? Maybe you have a little roof on the, uh, a problem with your roof? No, I've got a problem with the foundation. Uh, that's not good. That's not a good thing. In other words, uh, that, that foundation should have been set in order, measured out, laid out, and, and really it's that which lasts for the duration. And that's the way it is with spiritual gifts. We have a foundation, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, as it mentioned here, and, and it's been laid out by the apostles and the prophets. They have the job of, of laying down that foundation. And then it is our responsibility to build on that particular foundation. It says, uh, according to the grace which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth upon it. Now listen to what it says. It says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. So we have a responsibility. We're not foundation builders. We're, we don't get out the big backhoe and start digging up the trenches again and, 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 and laying the rebar. That, that's not our job. And yet that's what seems so glamorous. You'll hear individuals who will say, I'm a prophet of God. In the sense that they still are foretelling or foretelling uh, things that are not known. I don't buy it. Or I'm an apostle of God. We have people that claim apostleship. Well, I think there's, there's sound biblical reason to tell us that, that, that the apostles were there. They had a function in the foundation, and now the foundation's been laid, and we need to build thereon. The, the apostles, if you go over the various gifts, and I just want to, I'm going to stop on one of them, and I'm going to share a little story with you, because the, the Lord gave me something this week that just blew me away, and my wife's going to be sick of hearing it, because I just, I, I, was, I was on cloud nine. This doesn't happen to me very often. In fact, I can't remember in a long time that this happened. But you have the apostles the prophets, those who were there to give forth the Word of God. Paul obviously was instrumental in that because he laid the, the, the foundations of the church itself. So, so th there, there is that aspect of prophecy, but there's also another aspect of prophecy, and that is foretelling. That is being able to expound upon what has already been given. And so that's an important, vital, useful uh, 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 role uh, in, in a gift of that of a uh, of being able to prophesy. Now, I don't I don't like these as titles. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. So we have to run around and we have to give everybody the title. If we're going to be fair about it, that's why I don't like these titles. I'm not sure I'm all that comfortable with the title of elder, but that is an office. It's very distinct in the Word of God. It is an office. But I'd, I'd rather like John in, in the Revelation chapter 1 when John uh, went to the believers and he said, Brothers, 
That, that sounds better. That sounds better. Now, let me, let me just refresh your mind. The Apostle John was the last living apostle when he said that. If, he had any, if anybody had the right to, to boast a little bit and, and push out his chest a little bit, it would have been John, but he said brother. So I'll go with John. I'll stick with John on that particular thing. And then we have healings. And God does heal. But they're called healings, aren't they? There are no healers. Find it. Show it to me. Set me down. Show me that title, and I'll accept it. But I don't find it. And so there's, there's been a lot of detriment, a lot of damage done to the body of Christ over this particular issue. There was a family who had a boy who had a terrible disease and, and he had disfigurement in his whole body. Terrible, obvious disfigurement. He was in a wheelchair. And they had gotten saved recently. And when they had gotten saved, they through some media had seen how there's these great healers. They thought, well, why not? We love our son. Let's take him. Maybe they can do something for him. And so they took him and wheeled him in his wheelchair and, and brought him right there to the front of that particular congregation. That, 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 quote, healer was right there looking at him the whole night long. Did he respond to the boy in the wheelchair? No. And the parents, in discouragement, wheeled their son right back out. You see, that stuff is not real. I'm telling you, most of that stuff is absolutely conjured up. They've got little earbuds in their ears and they, they get reports uh, as people come in the door and that's how they deal with this stuff. Most of that stuff is completely set up. But when there was a, an obvious problem with this boy sitting in a wheelchair, he didn't want nothing to do with that. Now, does God heal? You bet He does. You bet He does. But I'm just not so sure it's specifically through some individual anymore. It is basically by the power and hand of God. And then there's miracles. <clears throat> I had my miracle this past week. For 30 years, since 1982, I've been taking what they call ASC testing. And it's automotive testing, and it's... I don't only have to take one test. I can take all eight of them. I mean, that's what they require. You've got to be master certified, they say. So, But for 30 years, I've been able to sit down at a desk, and I get in there very early because I'm smart and I'm dumb. I'm smart because I get in there early. I'm dumb because that's why I get in there early. So I, I sit down at my test, and I, and I, and I, I put it down on the, paper, on, the, on the table, and I might only have three recertification tests. That's about 60, maybe 70, 80 questions. They're averaging about 23, 25 apiece, 20 sometimes. So I sit down, and some of these guys got the original test, and the original, you know, one of the original tests is 85 questions. I go bonkers at my age now. I'm glad I don't do that anymore. But I sit down, and I'll sit there for three hours, and I'll just basically, it's all multiple choice. I say, this one's really stupid. There's another stupid one. We're down to two. And I can always work through it. Plug in information, and I can always work through it. For the first time in my 30 years' experience, I sat down to a computer 
Oh, now it's computer driven. Not only is it computer, it, it's done by an outside company. And so these people don't know an ASC test from a nursing exam because they're doing both. And even some other exams that are being done right there at that same company. So I sat down and then I looked up in the corner. And as I was going through the test, all of a sudden it said, you, you, you have 15 minutes left. Now, I never faced that before. So I, I got through the first test, okay, because it was easy. I mean, this is one subject that I just I teach all the time, so it's just really easy. Got through the second one, pretty good, no problem. The third one, man, I, I just don't know. I really don't know why they pass it. But the fourth one, it was the hardest. It's called engine performance. And I started laying this thing out. Normally, that's the one that I really lay down there, and I really just plain take my time. I could sit there till 11 o'clock before. And... As I was going through it, it said, you know, it, it put its subtle message, you know, you got this much time, you got this much time. I really wasn't paying attention because I was so engrossed with the stupid thing that I was just, just really engrossed. I had seven questions left. I look up that little stupid little clock in the corner and it said 50 seconds. Now, seven questions in 50 seconds. I, I'm dead. I became incensed. I got aggravated. I got mad. I'm not supposed to do that. I know I'm a Christian. So I say, oh, you know, be happy, rejoice in all things. I wasn't rejoicing. I was aggravated. After 30 years, he changed the whole thing on me. So I got seven questions left. I, I, I read the first two lines of the one and, and just hmm, guessed it. I mean, plain guessed it. Guessed the second one. Guessed the third. I had three questions left that it, 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 it timed out. Boop, you're gone. Test gone. So I guessed at the last four, I guessed at the last seven, and the last three, I didn't even put an answer on them. So I know I failed it, there's no doubt. I mean, I just it's a bomb this thing bad. So I was really aggravated. So they gave me this little thing, and they gave me this little, uh, 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 you know, they asked you questions about how was the test center, how did the test go, everything. At the last year, a lot of write a big comment. So, man, I wrote it out, man. I wrote it out. I vented my anger. Why would you time me after 30 years? I mean... When I first took these things, I was in my 20s. Now I'm sitting here in my 50s, and now you're timing me. What is that, you know? Well, you don't get the results until you take it up to the lady, and then she has them on her printer and prints it out and everything like that. So I got up there with her, and she's just sitting there very nice, and a smile on her face, and I'm saying, man, this, this is weird. I mean, why do they time us now? They haven't timed us in 30 years, and now, now they time us, and she's kind of smiling because she doesn't even know what I'm talking about. I mean, she tests everybody. She doesn't care. So they started flopping out of the printer. One, there are four of them. Four of them I had to sit down to. One, two, three, four. And she looked at him. She goes, mm -hmm. well, she said, I don't know what you're complaining about. You passed them all. Now, that ain't right. That, let me tell you, I guessed. At, you can't guess at these things and get them right. Not usually. Unless the Lord guides the hand. Because I know that the, the original 18 or 17 or whatever I was on, I know I didn't. I'm, I'm no whiz kid that gets every one of them right. There ain't no way. So I know I got some wrong on that. And then these last, last seven, I just you're only allowed to miss seven. She said, you passed. I tell you, I was walking off the ground. I said, give, give me those things. I, I got to see this. And I picked them up, all four, 
pass, 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 pass. When I was sitting at my study, I was studying for this, <clears throat> gifts. And, and then I had this, this anxious feeling. I said, oh, no. this is before I took the test now. You know, I really ought to look it over. I really need to look this material over. I need to get, I got some books. I and I stopped. And I said, seek you first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. And I'm not making this up. I said, Lord, I'm on this. You get on that. And, and it, when I was sitting at that table after I timed out and I was sitting there, I really thought to myself, to my utter shame, Lord, why? Why no miracle? Why couldn't I have my miracle? I hadn't received the results yet. So are there miracles? You bet there are. Between me and my Lord, I don't need a miracle. I don't need a man who's got the title of miracle worker. I go straight. As a high priest, I go straight to the very throne room of God. And God can give you your miracle. Tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is very careful to say tongues and then the interpretation. Tongues and then the interpretation. By the way, tongues can better be translated languages. This stuff that you see in charismatic circles now is not, is not tongues. Gibberish of an unknown wild sort. That, that's not tongues. That's not biblical. It's just flat, not biblical. It can be interpreted languages. They're very specific languages. You say, well, then a linguist has that gift. No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's an individual who does not know how to speak Spanish. If I were to all of a sudden uh, jabber uh, at Andres here in Spanish, he would say, having the ability to speak a language of which you have no knowledge of. That's, that's basically what it is. But then Andres would have the responsibility to go ahead and interpret that for the sake of the whole of the body here. That's what tongues is. Don't let people tell you that tongues is some sort of a la 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 ecstatic type utterances is what they call it. That's, that's not, that's, that has nothing to do with tongues at all. Biblically, it is, can be translated languages. That's the word. And then you have teachers. They're not teachers, again, with title, but those who have the gift of teaching, and we, have, we know of many around that do. Um, pastors, evangelists, those who can exhort, exhortation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and all these can be verified from Scripture by the passages that we dealt with, the 12, 12, 4, 4. Then there's faith. Then there's helps. Then there's government. Then there's ministry are serving. Then there's giving. Then there's showing of grace. Discerning of spirits. And the last is hospitality. And they don't necessarily go in that order. That's just the way they have them here. And so this gentleman who wrote these notes comes up with 20 specific gifts. The first thing in knowing the gift is to know the gifts. You've got to know the gifts in order to know whether you have the gifts. So study them out in the Word of God and be familiar with them and you'll be able to identify 
where the Lord is plugging you into the body of Christ. And he is. He has promised he's going to plug us in. If we don't... If we feel like we're, uh, you know, uh, pew potatoes and we're just not doing anything, then there's a problem because God promised everyone a gift. And maybe with that, uh, you want me to just, yeah, I'm I'm sitting here talking too much. I'll just go ahead and close in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you've given us all the equipment, all the ability to to live and commune with each other in absolute unity. Father, help us to unify. Help us to to recognize the, the value in each other. Whether it be an individual who who just sees those tables that need to be put away or those chairs that we see the value in one another. And we don't Uh, demean or look down upon certain activities if they're given by God then they're divinely appointed and there's value our Father help us to, 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 to again value one another uphold one another when, when one hurts we, we, we all must hurt when one celebrates, then we all celebrate. It's, it's one unified body working in, in, in harmony in order that the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of it all, might be glorified in all things. We give you thanks, our Father, for drawing us together from different parts of the United States, different parts of the world. Drawing us together, bringing us together. There's a reason for it. You've, you've got... You've got it all worked out in your great, glorious plan. We give you thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.